It is the 24th of February 2015, and this is the audio podcast show 142 format claims. Oh. <laughs> Hello, I'm Samuel Freeman. That was Scott Ewart. Adam Yunch is here as well, and yeah, we're, we're good to go, I think. Yeah, I think we are, and remember, uh, we run off the show notes, which can be found at the all-new designed uh, the audio podcast website, theaudiopodcast.co.uk forward slash show forward slash one four two, and uh, email at its show at theaudiopodcast.co.uk and Twitter is at theaudiopodcast. Great, um, and yeah, thank you for. Um, and it does work. These communication channels. We have well tweets we have now and then, but we have actually had a useful email from a listener today, Scott. Yes, so uh, John Waterman contacted us regarding a bug on our new website and told us about it, and we've now fixed it, but we thought it was cool to say hi as well back. So, uh, hi, John. Thank you very much for your email. We appreciate it a lot. There we go. Adam left. Where did Adam go? It was time for the news, I think. Right, we started the news now. We're in the news, yeah. We're about to. Yeah, I I put this one. Um, Yeah, um, the... uh, Ars Technica have um, recently been profiling a couple of those, uh, you know, crazy cables, like uh, like an Ethernet cable that costs a thousand pounds and supposedly um, improves audio quality somehow, even though it's a digital system. Uh, and this was uh, the last one that they uh, put up, which was um, a premium sound micro SDXC card by Sony, who should know better. Sony, um, but yeah, Sony are quite happy to try and take our money, and uh, they're going to do it this way by um, basically releasing a a micro SD card that is uber amazing and improves the quality of your digital audio. When Somehow. I saw when I saw the little picture on this story, it does look like someone's photoshopped it in. And it's a joke, but apparently it's not. It's oh really? Like, well, to me it looked that way just because it's such a silly thing to write on. Like, it's, it's an SD card, a micro SD card thing, and it says for premium sound. Well, I I know that um, Ars Technica do have a dude um, who does Photoshop some of their titles, some of their um, pho- photograph things, images together to make you know through themes and the thing. But no, that is actually just a. That is, I think, just a picture. They probably yeah. did. Sony probably photoshopped that. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's interesting. I, I, I thought it was. You know, I, I just smiled when I saw this appear. That was the main thing I did. There's a great quote in the article, isn't there, from a Sony sportsman who says, uh, "We, we aren't sure about the product's potential demand, but we thought some people who are committed to sound quality would want it." Which I, I think is always the classic. You know, where there's always people willing to pay more for theoretical. <laughs> I guess in defence, though, actually, let, let's be honest about this. In defence, they're saying that this, they, there is a actual fact running behind this, which is to say that this is a new micro SDXC card, which will actually create less electrical noise when it's being used. Which means that in certain very theoretical situations, <laughs> you could imagine that that noise would cross over into the audio system. That like electrical noise could cross over into the audio system and could be problem could be problematic. Like it's not a complete scam. It's just it's just a partial scam. Just you know. Yeah. yeah. I think what you said is kind of. Ars Technica have the 
great promoted comments feature where instead of just getting whatever's random at the top, you, and there's quite a long, quite a long post from um, dmurphy75 who who claims to be an analog circuit designer and gives a big long spiel on the kind of things you were saying about interference mm. and and such the like, but still concludes that. Um, you know, even in, if that, even if that were the case, then you're putting your premium sound card into a circuit that's been poorly designed to start with. So, well, I mean, I, I I read that as well at the end of the article, and I was like, it's nice that someone's they actually have someone there to uh, to basically put a bit of like truth behind it all. Uh, but yes, highly theoretical. Yeah, because I'll just give you an example. I know we were trying to have our new abridged noise, abridged noise, abridged news section. But I'll just give you an example because I have my my Galaxy S3 phone, which I've talked about a couple of times and used as a review platform a few times. And the thing that I came to realize about this is that when you plug it into the mains, the headphone, the microphone input, and the headphone input on it become almost unusable such as the noise, and when you unplug this, unplugged it from the power supply, it's perfectly fine. So that's a prime example of a system where it's, there is, you know, the noise management inside the pro, inside it is very, very poor. And there's a surprising number of those devices around. So, you know, it could be, you know, like I agree with him entirely, you know, it could make a theoretical difference in practice. You're never going to hear it. So, you know. There you go. There you go. You're going to get more performance out of improving the quality of your mp3 um, um, encoding or switching to a high high quality lossless format such as FLAC or even just using WAVs. You probably hear 2496 more than uh, over 1644.1 over this. I yeah. Think. No, I, I, I would agree. So if you want to, you could save your money, and what you could do is you could just send $100 to the audio podcast. We'll send you a 64-gig micro SDXC card back, like just a random card back, and we'll send our thanks. We'll give you our thanks as well. Does that seem okay? Because can somebody just check the Amazon price there? I'm not, like, pushing us into a loss here, am I? I can, we can, <laughs> we'll, sign, we'll sign the card for you. Yeah, that's a great idea. Why not? We'll sign it as well. No worries. That's a, it'll be, be an official the audio podcast um, SD card. We can even preload it if all of the shows up to that point. For that price, I would put effort. Yep. But, okay, that, that's it done. So there you go. Right. That's that's the deal. We will uh, send you one, <laughs> preload it with all the material. We're even. How about this, guys? Let's go the whole hockey. We will even record us saying thank you. In, onto, uh, onto wonderful one to eight kilobyte MP3. Indeed, so. We need to draw a line there now. We're starting to... Okay, um, <laughs> next news item, please. This is another streaming kind of story for people who are streaming music instead of putting it on SD cards. Yeah. Uh, Beatport, who are now owned by SFX, who I always remember as being the uh, purveyors of really bad quality but awesome to watch science fiction, um, are now running a streaming service which apparently is free and doesn't have any ads, but is currently in a closed beta. There you go. Uh, it's probably in a. It probably hasn't got any ads because, and you don't pay for it because it's in beta. Well, apparently the plan is not to have ads or to do. Apparently the plan is 
for it to become open to everybody and for it not to have ads because they're actually using it to supply to as a lead generator for beat uh, Beatport Pro, which is a place where you can buy mixes and you can buy music. So Beatport, for anybody who doesn't know, is a very electronic-focused and based. So this is not an iTunes everybody. This is a far more kind of uh, curated collection of music that they that they have there. So there you go. I thought it was interesting. You know, it's you know this kind of you know other, the the streaming services are apparently highly unprofitable and apparently are all racing to bankruptcy and you know why not start your service and just you know just run it as a complete loss leader and see what happens well people like Google and Apple can do that because they have money coming in from elsewhere but uh, the Spotify's of this world don't have such an option there we go so that's Beatport um, if you if you've got if you've had a play with it and you've been into you've been in the beta service and you you know like to tell us more about what your experience of it was that'd be great. Otherwise, if we if we get an invite in, then we're uh, maybe let you know more. I don't know. There we go. You know what? I'm sick of these ethereal streaming things and you know kind of random bits of hardware that may or may not difference. Sam, tell me about a cool piece of synth hardware. Um, a cool piece of synth hardware which you could back on um, Kickstarter would be the Synth Eno XM. Um, this is a currently active, quite newly started. We think it's new. We weren't, weren't sure if it was plunder or news, but it's news because because here we are. And this is a hardware thing from um, Get Lo-Fi and someone else collaborating. It is a MIDI synth, basically. It has four. It has five-note polyphony. Across four MIDI channels, it's got a 12-bit um, audio output at 25 kilohertz, and it's got a whole bunch of features, including so you can plug it in with five pins in, control it with any MIDI controller, or you can connect it via USB, um, and it's apparently compliant, so you'll be able to use it with Android, well, iOS devices, or anything else that knows how to talk to it, and it'll power over there. Runs on nine volt battery if you're not using USB. Um, has quarter inch jack output, and can be can you do arpeggios or just run as a synth or it's got a little four track sequencer for groove boxy stuff that's cool, five note polyphony which is better than a Korg MS2000 <clears throat> although nice. a Korg MS2000 has got a lot more knobs and a keyboard yeah, well, and wooden end cheeks this, this, so I was a bit dubious at first because it well, yeah. So it's this in terms of knobs and buttons. It's got four buttons and eight knobs, and they're completely unlabeled. So you have to memorize how what they do. But it only runs in three different modes. So, and yeah, it's got. So, for example, so although it's got four buttons, one of those buttons works as a an FN toggle. So you hold that down in order to give a different um, function to some of the knobs. So in um, synth mode, the top left knob would be the attack of the ADSR envelope, but if you hold down the fourth button it becomes the decay of that envelope. Things like that. I think it seems mm. pretty cool. Although, I don't know, uh, hmm. so for backing on this, the early birdie things have gone, um, but so what's available is the $139 price tag to get hold of one of these things in, in a few months' time, assuming it's successful, which works out about £90 UK sterling. One, one, two, nine, Sam. One, is it one, two, nine? Ah, oh, yeah, no. Enough, the early, 
the early bird ones are actually early delivery, so you get them a month sooner, and it's ten dollars more. Oh, and there's also the one that was a glossy black limited edition type as well. So that's actually so that's more like thirty eighty three pounds forty six at the moment on that, on the exchange rate. That's not bad. No. And uh, uh, but there's a limited number. There's uh, there are one hundred. Um, being made of the standard type, and there are 94 left as of this moment in time. So, you know, want to get in there quickly, I would say. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Cool. I think it's an awesome. I I thought it was awesome. I I I I made the decision it was news rather than plunder on the basis it was current. So I've, I went for it in news. There you go. That's cool. Now, we we've had hardware synthesizers. Which do things and actually achieve things. We've had a another classic discussion of the uh, streaming services and whether they're actually whether they actually achieve anything at all. And we've had the discussions of a of a improvement to a hardware format, making tenuous, if at, if in any way, real gains at all. And in the week that Starbucks gave up selling CDs, which Sam didn't know they did at all, and I didn't, didn't know those <laughs> at all. Adam Yanch has an incredibly relevant feature for us about making records on cassettes. Yes, indeed. And now, you might say that, Scott, but here, um, if you look, if you're watching the YouTube feed and up on the screen now should be my video feed, here we have um, Prayer Breakfast's Family Business on red cassette, and on blue cassette we have Jerry Paper um, I can't remember what that one's called. Oh, it's called Fuzzy Logic. And these are two tapes that I have picked up. They're new, and they were newly released in the last two or three years. So there's been a little underground kind of uh, rebirth of the tape format. And so uh, I decided that for my um, new album, which hopefully should be released quite soon, I just got the, uh, the masters back, and it all sounds amazing. Uh, I was going to release, I was going to make this album and release it um, as a digital download and as a cassette. And so I'm going to go through basically some of the thoughts that went through my head in preparing for that. So you guys, if you've got any questions, you know, you can just stop me straight up and uh, and be like, hey, what what about this? Okay, so. Um, the album that I'm releasing is going to be called Voltronic Galaxy, and I actually conceived it. it this is stuff that came from my creative pact, <clears throat> my creative pact last year, um, which basically I did like um, a, a, a large bunch of one to two minute snippets for, and then my idea was to extend those snippets out. And then I thought, okay, if I'm going to do that as a cassette, then what do I do? Well, I first I thought about the medium. So, uh, what guys, what is significant about the cassette as a physical medium? It's got two sides. Yes, exactly. Um, like and other things. The, and, and other things. Um, it, it, the, mo the, the key thing for us is that it has two sides. So it's like an LP. But... What's the difference between the two-sided LP and the two-sided cassette tape? The duration of the sides. Uh, yes and no. A, a cassette can be a lot longer than an LP can. And the fact that when you stop playing it, you can 
come back and press play, it'll be exactly where you left it. That's true. I hadn't even thought of that. But um, what I was going like to say infinite was... pause. The, uh, the fact that you can take a cassette... It's, Adam, is this is this music for people to exercise to? Have you, is this what you're creating? Is this for no. jogging music? No, no. <laughs> like with your Walkman, clipped onto, yeah. your, onto your shorts. Uh, well, you could do that. Um, no, no, but the, the other key thing is that um, for it to work properly, a cassette, the, the sides have to be of a similar length. Oh... Uh... Because on a obviously on a on an LP because it's just a groove, you could have one side twenty minutes long, one side ten minutes long, and that's fine. But on a tape, if one side is a lot longer than the other, then the uh, shorter side has a big gap, a big silence on it. So um, when I was thinking about the two-sidedness, I was like, okay, what can you do with that? And I decided that I was going to have up tracks on side A and atmospheric tracks on side B and this is a thing that um, a few different artists have played with um, in medium so for example Low by David Bowie um, have you guys heard that one? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, of course I originally listened to it on CD because that's what I bought it on and then you don't realise until a little bit later that all of the poppy tracks are on side A and then all of the kind of these kind of drawn-out, atmospheric type tunes are on side B. That's what they would have been on the LP. So I kind of strive for the same thing. But you can use that break, the uh, the two-sided break, for um, particular creative advantage. Um, the other thing to that, that I was thinking was... With the side lengths having to be, having to be almost the same, you want to have your side A to be slightly longer, so that if you do have a gap, it's on it's at the end of the album, at the end of side B, so, rather than the middle of the album. Exactly. So you don't have to sit there for two minutes while it gets to the end, and then turns out turns over and goes back and starts. Oh, can I just well while this is, seems appropriate time to add another one of my completely not fully thought out theories about albums in general, which is that all really good albums have a second to last track that is distinctively different, which draws your attention to the fact the music's about to end. Oh, so a, if you I've... think of any any really good albums, this is on the CD format though. The second to last track kind of stands out in some way. Um, which kind of, you know, if you're just enjoying the music, it kind of brings you back to... Now, there's lots of psychological reasons that that could be the case. You know, if I've heard the album lots of times, I might just know that. But anyway, um, yeah, could you, would you apply to... You know, just thinking about the tape as a medium, would you, would you want the listener to kind of like be somehow alerted to... Other than the fact that the tape stops, would you do anything within the music to... Um, well, you could do that. And actually, that was another little factor that I'd written down in my notes, which is that... Um, for a two-sided medium, what you should probably do is sculpt each side as uh, an, an individual kind of work as its own sequence. So side A starts and side A finishes. Side B starts and side B finishes. When you go to a, when you make for CD, you no longer have that that break in the middle where uh, where that happens. So you don't have to think about that. You just end the album at the end. So do you think that your, from from your knowledge, do you think that albums with the two-sided uh, media have got that 
interesting track on both sides. I don't know. I'm going to have to... This is something that I've often thought and observed when listening to music, but mostly on the CD format. Um, I've not... It's, yeah, I thought I'd bring it up now. We're going to yeah, ask that know, question. You know. for, your, for your next feature, I think you should... You should delve into this and give us some examples because that's I've never thought of that. It has never crossed my mind. And but you've obviously thought about it a lot, and I I think it's a really interesting discussion. You've got I've going to change what my next feature was, not to what you suggested, but to something similar and some equally irrelevant pop thinking that, <laughs> music about yeah thinking about pop music that I've done. Well, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Okay, so where do I get to? Okay, so yeah, side A should be longer, um, and also. While uh, cassettes come in standard lengths, like if you went down to the shop and bought some blank tapes, they all tend to be the same. Uh, you'll get similar length types. If you go to the right tape duplicator, they will um, wind the tape to the nearest minute for you or to a specified length for you. So you don't have to worry that your albums that your album has to be 30 minutes, like each side has to be 30 minutes long or each side has to be 15 minutes long because... If you find the right place to do it, then they, they'll they'll cut the tape to the right length for you. So those are some things to think about. Now, um, when I was creating Voltronic Galaxy, um, I was kind of aware that you know the sides had to be similar lengths, um, and to know how to do this properly, I would have to be quite methodical in how I finish the tracks off. So. Uh, the first thing I did was I track-listed both sides. I basically went through and I was like, okay, I want this track first, this track second, this track third on side A. And then I did the same for side B. And then I started um, I started side A first. I started and finished side A first, so I knew what length I had to work with for side B. Um and then side B, so I'm going to use um, a fun little Hangouts feature here, which is screen sharing, but a window. With side B, what I did, because, um, okay, so you can see that now. This Almost, a, it's gone blank. It might load in a sec. Yeah, we see it now. Okay, so it's like a little text file that I created. Um, so side A, I say the duration is 19.25. Actually, the duration ended up being more like 20. Uh, 21 minutes, but this is an older version of this document. And then for side B, I was like, okay, so there are seven tracks on side B, so take the duration of side A, divide it by seven, the number of tracks on side B, and I get an average track length that I have to work to. And then I went through each track as I extended it and finished it off. Um, you can see in the duration column, that's the length of the track that it ended up being. Um, I do an accumulation as well, and then I update the track average. So in the fourth, fifth column, track average, I update the track average each time, but each each time I finish a track, so I know what the new average is, effectively. <laughs> so, th I mean, this is me being um, incredibly uh, OCD about the whole process. Um, uh, I'm almost surprised that uh, that wasn't a spreadsheet there, Adam. Uh, it probably could have been a spreadsheet, but um, I don't have, on my studio computer, I don't have a spreadsheet software. I probably could have used okay. Google Sheets or whatever it's called. Um, but this was easy enough. I went to a website 
there, there are various time calculator websites, so if you find one that um, can divide time, then that's good for you. Um, so finished side A first, went back to side B, and then the other thing to think about is if the, the side lengths don't quite marry up, um, you should build some flexibility into your tracks. So maybe um, be able to add a section in on a certain track or be able to take mm -hmm. sections out so that you can expand or um, reduce the, side, the, the track lengths and therefore the side lengths. And also you can add in, um, if, you, if you put a couple of throwaway tracks in there, you know, you can add those in instead. So um, in the end, it didn't really work quite that, that way, but I did kind of have two a track on side A and a track on side B, which are shorter and that just kind of slotted in in the middle as a kind of... It was more like a little, a little break, and then... But, you know, you have the ability there to change the lengths of the sides, basically. Can I ask... Can I ask you a question about the just just this notion of time and this? Do do you feel that the demands of meeting the time be, became problematic in terms of the creative process of the composition, or did you find it useful having these average figures, knowing that you were aiming for an average length of, of a set um, when you were building a track? I would say that's a good question because um, I had both at different times. Sometimes I was like, okay, I've got to work a bit harder with this track to extend it to get it to this length. And then when I got to the, near the end, I was more like, um, oh, you know, if I put this section in here, then this track is going to be too long and I'm going to have to go back and figure out some other bit to cut or to lengthen the other side. Um, but what I ended up doing was I ended up putting that aside, getting the track, finishing the track to where it felt right, and then looking back over the other tracks on both sides and deciding the best way to work. And what actually happened was there's a, there was a track on there that I wasn't... Um, I originally dropped it from side A, and I was like, okay, that's I'm not going to do that track anymore. And that's why my, my notes say duration 1925, but it's actually 2154 in length because I actually... Then did side B. Side B was too long. It was longer than side A. So I then went back and I was like, okay, so if I let's go back to this track which I was going to drop, and I I worked on it a bit and got it up to a good length. And actually, I think it's it might be the standout track on side A. It might be like the single. So that was a really good thing to do. But then side A was too long. But there was another track on side A which had a kind of a second section at the end. And I thought, you know what? cut that second section out, um, it's, um, I gain a bit of time by adding the other track in, and then I reduce the time a bit by taking this section out, and in the end, the two sides have ended up being almost the same length, so it worked out really well, and I was quite fortunate, but yeah, I mean, you have to, this is the, the creative complexity of having to deal with a two-sided medium that has to be of similar length. Um, and you don't have that problem if you're doing digital only, you don't have that problem if you're doing CD, and LPs, you have a different set of uh, restrictions that um, you have to consider. So, I mean, that's it, really. That's kind of side part one. For part two, 
I was probably going to go through the process of actually getting them duplicated, the uh, the tapes duplicated, and I'm going cool. through that right now. So, and we, we look forward to part two very much. Yes. Yeah, I think I think it'll be interesting. But yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's the thing. And uh, you know, you can find some tape duplicators online by doing a bit of a search. And uh, just don't expect this to be like an, a hugely popular thing. It's quite a niche little. Market. That's cool. So, um, well, uh, two things just there then, quickly. Um, or perhaps not quickly. I don't know. The first one was picking up on you saying LPs. If you're cutting, for, if you're writing, making an album for vinyl, then you're going to be working with a different set of restrictions. Um, although you're intending to do this album just as a tape release and digital download, would it work as an LP? Would it? Could it translate across? Even though it's been, you know. Well, I think as a as an actual artistic work, uh, yes, it would be fine on LP. I didn't do LP because um, it's a bit too grandiose. This is like nobody knows knows who I am, so I'm not going to spend a lot of money making LPs. But I think it could. Where the LP gets complicated is your frequency ranges, and it's actually a very physical problem with the LP, which is. If you put really extreme types of processing, particularly I think bass processing, um, uh, and yes. print that into your your vinyl, then the needle can skip out of the groove because of the uh, the vibration on it. So it has to be mastered differently, I think, um, for um, for LP. And otherwise. I think that's the main technical hurdle that I can think of for LP. I probably don't so, get as good a base from LPs, I imagine. We may, maybe we'll come back to this next time we come around to talk about tapes again. We can always compare again. But my, my last thing was, as you were saying about grandiose and the tape and niche, um, to do with availability. Like I, I certainly have a tape player set up. I could listen to a tape immediately. Um, do you... Does do you, Scott? I mean, I'm guessing that you do, Adam. If you're, I mean, you've got these examples here in front. I'm just wondering whether or not Scott have, as I, just, uh, do you have not, not ready to go right now. I suspect I probably no. I tell you, I do. I have a um, I have a ghetto blaster with a tape deck in it. Actually, I'm the one who doesn't have a proper tape deck. These two tapes here, this one and this one. I don't actually, I've never listened to them on tape because I bought them on Bandcamp and I really, I was going to buy the digital on Bandcamp anyway and then I just thought, you know what, it's like a dollar more or something to, to buy the tape. So why not just buy the tape and it's it's a little novelty or that kind of thing. Um, but I do have a Walkman hidden away somewhere, tape cassette Walkman, and I've got the tape deck in the car. So I will be able okay. to listen to my album. Cool. Cool. There you go. <laughs> That's cool. All right, then, Adam, we look forward to part two, whenever part two follows along, which will be a number of weeks away, probably, with the best intentions. So we look forward to that very much. Thank you very much, Adam. With that, shall we head into the plunder? And if you're going to plunder things, then it should be audio-related and often a video, and if it's going to be a video, it may as well have a cat in it. That's very true, Sam. <laughs> very true. Um... I, I, I am responsible for this one, I guess. So um, it, it's, it's a YouTube video of a kitten watching somebody uh, do pitch modifications using Melodyne. That's, that's all it is. What happens in the video? 
yeah, I, I really, if I was to describe it, I would fail to do it justice. But I realized that for our audio listeners, it would actually be important for me to attempt so. So um, essentially, there is a silhouette of a cat, the silhouette being formed by the flat screen that it's looking at, which has Melodyne on it. And somebody does a little pitch shift of a part, and the cat follows the moving representation of the waveform as it goes up and down the screen. So the cat's reacting to the visual, not the audio. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yes. Interestingly, I opened up Anodyne for the very first time yesterday and had a little play with it. I mean, literally two minutes. And I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. And then I went off and did the other thing I was going to do. Awesome. Yeah. If you want to see it in person, oh, it is. It is. Adam if you want to see it in person, in person, it is on YouTube, and you can get the link from the audio slash show slash one four two. Finally, we wrap up with more crowd sourcing of funds. And Adam, did you suggest this one? No. Oh. Okay. No, my, my, my suggestion for Panda was the the Reno. Synthwino, which was in the news. So th this is a plunder item. Um, as plunder, let, let's just take the positive and ignore the negative, though alluding to the negative that perhaps does exist. But um, the Richard L. Spencer, who was the gentleman who was responsible for the arrangement of the instrumentation that we hear within the Amen break that we most of our listeners, I suspect, are familiar with, there is a crowdfund, crowdfund kind of process underway to provide him a gesture, a financial gesture of thanks for his arrangements of the instrumentation that resulted in the Amen break, as he has received not a penny for it ever. That's nice. That's nice. So which if you want is, to, you can give some money as well. Which one is the Amen break? Is can can you tell me a tune that was that it is used in? I guess um, it's been heavily sampled, basically. Yes. Yes, it's it, inc yeah a lot. So I'm yeah I I really I've been put on the spot. I could tell you all well, kinds of no. trivia about it, but actual tunes. Um, well, he, 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 here's the interesting, the, the kind of funny one, isn't it? Is that it's it was the Winstons, and the the track was cover color my father was it? color him father is the name of the original track, if I remember correctly, which sold a million copies, and he received no money. Oh. So, that's a... Uh, back in, that's back in the day when they were really, really dodgy, were uh, record yeah. companies. Whereas now they're only slightly dodgy. So there you go. That's, uh, I thought it was cool. Well, you know what? It is the epitome of plunder for the audio podcast, so I thought it was definitely the kind of thing to go. And what was funny, it's no longer the case, but when I first saw this, I actually recognised the whole collection of people donating money, like their names, they were people I knew. So... I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah. It's not the case now, but it was just a moment ago. So that's kind of, you know, yeah. Cool. cool. Ah, and uh, with that... With that... Yeah. Goes we, to we, the, we come to the end of the audio podcast. We have indeed. The, the end of this week's show. Oh. 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 There we go. So that, that was the audio podcast show, 142 Format Claims Or. Um, if you want to subscribe to the audio podcast, you can do on iTunes, you can do via YouTube, you can do on Gpodder, and also on Stitcher. Or if you have any other kind of you know podcast subscription thing you'd like to use, then that's fine as well. 
find us there. That's really cool. So feel free to subscribe to us. There, it's kind of encouraging to if you join us, subscribe. If you have any more remarks about the new site, please feel free to uh, to contact us and let let us know about that. Um, for for those people, uh, we have an analytics running on our site, so I feel I should. Uh, for all those people who um, I broke all the tag linkage because I just couldn't be bothered to preserve it. Um, I'm sorry, and I'm fixing that problem, but it's going to take a while. I'm sorry though. That's all right, <laughs> just, Scott. We forgive you. There we go. That's cool. I just, yeah, I'm just sorry. There we go. Who cares, though? See you on podcast, show 142, format claims, or I've been Scott here. I've had a great time, as always. I look forward to seeing you all next week. I'm Samuel Freeman. I'd like to thank Sam Burkhead, who tweeted at us with the um, microSD audio file for the story. Indeed. Uh, I'm Adam Yanch, and I'd like to say that I was going to put that in the news anyway, but uh, Sam Burkhead picked up on it too, so that was cool. Uh, have a great week, and we'll catch up with you next week. Bye. Bye.